Yo, yo, another week, another fight podcast. I know I keep saying that and people are like, you don't release weekly. That's true, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Um, it's been a minute, so there's a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to get right into it. I propose that we start with the boxing last night. Um, why don't you just take it away, man? Um, there's a lot of big stuff that happened, but I was yeah. going to say the biggest one was... Josh Taylor had the absolute worst performance of his career yesterday yeah. and still won, I guess. I mean, he won, right? Like, yeah, I he did know. win. <laughs> um, people are saying that it was a robbery. I tend to err on the side that I actually think that neither fighter really deserved to win. But, you it's know, uh, yeah, I guess. But uh, I will say this, Jack Catterall fought a phenomenal fight for the first half of the fight, I would say. Um, even though he did get a knockdown later on in the, I guess in the eighth round, he knocked Josh Taylor down. But there was definitely a steady decline in his work rate throughout the fight after like the sixth or seventh round. And I think that Josh Taylor did just enough to make it uh, close. Right. I would say that's probably the best word, but yeah, that was a really bad fight from him. I have a lot of comments on that. Um, I think the main thing is the weight. I think he, I think he's maxed out at 140. He should move up to 147. You know, there's not going to be a lot for him. They need to keep him off as far away from Terrence Crawford as humanly possible. I was going to say Terrence will kill him. He can't really beat the champs at 147, though. I don't think he can beat most of the top. I don't think. Maybe, maybe Ugas, but I might yeah. be not giving Ugas enough credit. credit. Yeah, but I don't think he can beat anybody in the top five. Jeez, at welterweight. Um, that makes sense though. I mean, he's too big for 140, too small for 147. Yeah, and I think the second thing is Ben Davidson and Lee Wiley are frauds. Um, there's absolutely nothing <laughs> that a 29 year old boxing trainer who has never been in the ring could teach a 31 year old boxer who has probably been around the sport longer than he has yeah and lee wiley while i will give him all the credit in the world for being a phenomenal like boxing mind and he he definitely understands the sport and he understands what he's looking at and what he's seeing and he can break down a fight better than most people he's not a trainer right and that's okay ben davidson's claim to fame is just tyson fury right like that's why and he didn't like, even really have Ty- if we were being completely honest he didn't really have Tyson Fury looking that incredible either nah. he he almost got knocked out against Deontay Wilder, Wilder. Yeah. he probably should have lost the Otto Wallen fight yeah. if there was any other fighter probably. that fight would have been stopped yeah um, I, don't, I don't know how he snuck his way into like actual professional boxing training consistently you know what I'm saying like, I don't know he's like the Josh it. he's like the Joshua Fabia of boxing trainers <laughs> He did. He is. He is. Cause like, it's like, I just don't, I was like, where did this dude come from? Like, I've never heard of him. I've never seen him train people. Like this is nuts. Um, but yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, Lee Wiley's not a trainer, but yeah, that's a good point about Taylor. Don't know what he's going to do. Right. Because like you said, he's kind of maxed out at 140. How often can he make this weight? He's getting too like his body's maturing to the point where he's not going to be able to make it no more. Yeah. I feel like, the one good thing that's going to come from this is that all of those belts are going to be relinquished. And I think that opens up a lot of interesting 
opportunities at 140. That's the best division in boxing, in my opinion, by the way. 140. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot, a lot of smoke there. I thought you were a lot of 147 for like, you know, your favorite fighter and everything else. And I mean, it's a great, it's a great division. It's the money division. But I'm trying to yeah. talk about in terms of just the smoke that's available at 140. Yeah, there's a lot of people. It's that unmatched. And I also kind of feel bad. <clears throat> sorry. I kind of feel bad for um, Jack Catterall because, like I said, I don't think he got robbed, but he definitely, there was definitely a strong case for him winning that fight. But because he didn't, and he looked great. He's going to be in with the wolves. Like he's yeah. not going to have a he's not going to have an easy fight ever, ever at yeah. one forty, yeah, ever again. But he is in. I think with how competitive that fight is, that fight was, and with the belts being relinquished, he should have a pretty good shot at what I would assume would be the winner of Arnold Barboza and Teofimo Lopez for the WBO. Man. It's a lot. Like you said, there's a lot of smoke around that weight class. It's a lot going on. Yeah. Who's your dark horse to like take him, take them all? <laughs> I mean, I think we about to talk about them, I think. Yeah, exactly. Let's let, let's transition right into it. So, um, let me just quick hit a few okay. stuff before we get into that. Um Jerwin and, and Jacas and Kat and Kahas. Um, he was the second longest reigning champion in boxing. He lost. Last yes. night on the opening fight of that card of the I, Showtime boxing card. I read about that. I didn't watch it, but I read about it. Let's see. It's a that's a long it was, streak. It's definitely an early, I think it's an early fight of year candidate, but he definitely got his ass beat. But it was a competitive ass whooping, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, but to go on to the people's main event, we had Gary Antoine Russell from Capitol Heights, Maryland, of the famed hey. Gary Russell clan. Uh taking Arguably a really huge step up facing Victor Postal, who has never been stopped. Um, he has given every fighter that he's lost to, which is Terrence Crawford, Jose Ramirez, and Josh Taylor, probably the best three 140-pounders of that time. Era. Yeah, of that era there easily, yeah. Hard fights. Uh, we've talked about the Ramirez fight. We both thought he won that fight. Exactly. I was going to say, Costa um, is no slouch, yo. Like, that's how I was yeah. excited to watch this fight. I was like, yo, I'm he's getting, this. he's getting up there. Yeah. I'm sure. He's 38. And, you know, he's also Ukrainian. So prayers out to him. His family yes. is there. Um, as far as we all know, and he knows they're safe. That's wonderful. Um, but he yeah. literally left the ring last night, got checked out, and I'm pretty sure he's on the flight to the closest country to Ukraine that he can get to it, and he has to drive into Ukraine. So this is different, all, yeah. all, all prayers and good vibes up to him that he makes it there safely and that his family gets there safely. So there's a, lot, there's a lot at stake here for both of them, obviously. And, you know, it was a great fight. It was. I think I think that was like a, it was a very entertaining fight, too. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I was thoroughly entertained watching it. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think the star of the show was actually Gary Russell Jr. and his cornering. Corner work, yeah. Yeah, he did some phenomenal corner work there. And you could really see, I mean, obviously they're brothers, so they have a bond, but sometimes you don't really see, you know trainer giving fighters advice and then the fighters implementing that advice really like really effectively Gary Antoine and, it listens to his brother clearly like you know what I'm saying yeah. like he listens to him yeah so you know that fight started off you know very very fast 
Gary came out fast. That's how he fights. He fights very fast. He fights at a very like unrelenting sort of pace. Very at first, when I was watching him come up and get his fights, I was comparing him sort of to Aaron Pryor. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I do think there is some style, like stylistically. Stylistically, there's some stylistic. I think the stylistically that there is some comparison, but I actually think he's more so of like a more explosive version of Sean Porter. Like a more dynamic Sean Porter. That's interesting. Like, like his punches are his punches are very, very sharp. Even though they are looping, they are sharp and they're ac- he's very accurate. And but he also has a lot, there's a lot of power coming back from them shots, and there's a lot of speed coming back from them shots. Which is why I say he's more explosive and more dynamic. So okay, I understand what you're saying, I think. So you're talking about more recent Sean Porter, not early career Sean Porter. Yeah, I'll probably say prime Sean, like you know the yeah, prime exactly, Sean Porter exactly. that we're used to. It's very, it's like sort of like organized chaos. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was gonna go for. The, the exact but words, his yeah. his organized chaos is much sharper, which is the scary part because he's he's landing new shots and he's not yeah. really smothering his. He was smothering his work early in this fight, but as Gary Russell Jr. his trainer was calming him down, you could see him being more relaxed and more calculated with how he was making the attacks i was gonna say his distance management got better throughout the fight right because like you said he came out really fast he came out like trying to like force his way in but as the fight went on what i noticed at least is like his distance management got a lot better for those looping shots and for those like hooks and things like that i was i was really like wow he's actually easing up the way he should ease up yeah and he was he started to, and gary told him this he started like doubling up the um, left like the yeah. straight left which mm-hmm. is I'm not going to say I've never seen that before, but it's a very unorthodox entry, I would yeah, say. It is. It is. Like I mean, a double a double straight. Like, it's yeah. very... It's, it's very it's very unorthodox, but it works really well, I think, against the style like Postals and for a style like Antoine, which is all props to Gary Russell Jr. Because like that's a very good thing to see. That's not something you always practice, too. So that's pretty cool. Right. And let me, before I even get into everything else, let me give a lot of respect to Postal because he adjusted really, really well. Yes. And he forced, he forced it. He forced Antoine to have to adjust to him too. He started like sort of, I don't know. I don't even know if it was like a check hook. It was almost like a a check straight doesn't exist, but it was like a really short straight that he was like sort of. He kind of just, yeah, he kind of just like, like took his shoulder and like, moved his fist forward like not like a full jab but like a half jab you know they call yeah. it like a shovel punch usually it's like an uppercut they call it yeah it might be like a shovel it, might, it was like more like a shovel hook I exactly say. yeah exactly yeah they call and his it jab he got his jab pumping too and i was giving antoine problems but once antoine started doubling up with that that straight left and also jabbing himself he really started to break postal down and i got to like the 10th round he actually hurt him bad um i do think that was a bad stoppage um postal was there and i think that in, in that situation you got to give uh antoine the chance to actually finish because he 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 showed really really strong finishing instincts that i think he actually could have legitimately got him out of there or forced a more obvious stoppage i mean a stoppage is a stoppage it's nothing unfair to antoine if anything it'd be just unfair to postal right like- yeah I, I think it is on it is more unfair to postal but i think you know and this might be a little selfish from like a fan perspective or yeah. just like a fight fan. You know, you want to see what guys can do. Sure, sure. Because sure. finishing is a, finishing itself is a pressure. 
Right. Like being finished is a, like being in a moment where you have to defend yourself is pressure, but being able to finish the opponent also takes pressure and you have to be very calculated with it. And I liked what I saw, how he was approaching, pursuing the finish. I just wish that we had got to really see him actually finish because well, the then we would have, yeah. we would have been able to see how he was able, how he was able to break it down. I understand what you're saying. I, I do. I'm not so sure it was early. To be honest, and that, that could be like I watched it on mute and I wasn't watching it live. So I watched it like post the fight. So that could be just like my bias. But I didn't. Yes, Postal was there, but and it was a very competitive fight. But we saw where it was going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do think a lot of the comments about it being early, at least not from me, but from other people, definitely have an air of like sympathy for postals outside the ring situation i think yeah probably it's like oh he had all this stuff on his mind and he fought his ass off he deserved to, to go on his shield and yeah, either yeah. go out on the shield or finish the fight yeah and i'm like i don't think i don't think that's like a great argument especially not when that. he has to go back into a war zone after the fight we want him to have his faculties actually <laughs> right like you know a lot of times after these fights after these long grueling wars you know they might go in the hospital for overnight to yeah. get checked out he like literally just did like the the back room checks. Are your eyes good? And I think he just got on the plane. Like he, exactly. So. Like we want him to have his faculties. To be honest, I mean. Right. But you know, I want to I want to congratulate like Antoine because like the thing is like the way he fought, like you said, it was a big step up. It was a very competitive fight. I don't know if it's like the most competitive fight that he's had necessarily, but I think it's the most important competitive fight that he's had, if that makes sense. It's definitely the most competitive. I mean, he has 14, he had 14 14. knockouts, 14 fights. So it's definitely the most, Most I mean, he has 15 knockouts now, but it was definitely the most competitive fight. And I think, you know, it answers a lot of questions like, can, how does he respond when like a veteran is trying to like, uh, someone on my timeline, I forgot his name. He mentioned it. He was like, you know, Postal was trying to drown him. Yes. And we got to see how well he could swim. That's a great, it's a great way to put it. And then the other thing is like with Antoine that, that he did really well is this is a step up in pressure too, right? Like this is like someone where people are paying attention to you. Not that people weren't paying attention to him before. People know who Postal is. Postal, like you said, has fought a lot of the big champs, a lot of the big names. It, it means something for Antoine to fight this guy. So like, I think like, yeah, basically, it's the most important fight of his career, and he did a great job. And right. like you said, he, he, he adjusted because we didn't see, we haven't necessarily seen that adjustment being made, right? Because he's had never been forced to do that before. So, from that perspective, watching this fight was a lot of like, there was a lot of cool things to learn about Antoine, which you've gotten to before. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know what's next per se. It's, I'm assuming that this was, uh, um, this was WBA affiliated, so he's probably gonna enter the WBA rankings. Um, he was not ranked at any in any organ uh, sanctioning body, which is insane. But um, I think he's I think they're definitely trouble getting fights. Yeah, yeah. So I think the reason I think they're gonna push him the WBA route and try to get him a title shot probably within the next two fights. You don't think he'll Josh do, do that stupid regular thing? Like the because like they, they don't always... have those they don't really have those anymore. Oh, good, that's good. I thought they still I mean, he they, he could he I... very well could. I actually think they might if he can make the weight again they might give him Barrios next. Because I just maybe. don't think maybe I just don't think a lot of people are gonna be looking to fight him if that makes sense. I think there's gonna be a lot of ducks, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, arguably, like, I had, I didn't really have him losing. I maybe, I might have had him losing one, maybe two rounds in mm-hmm. that postal fight. Um, which you could argue no one has really handled postal like that. Josh Taylor did really well against him, but obviously did really well against him too. But even that fight was clo- not close, but it was like a postal, eight, four, nine, three kind of fight. Postal always takes rounds off people. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that he didn't, and like you said, he's getting older, et cetera, et cetera. But like the fact that there isn't a clear case for like three rounds for postal is kind of a, kind of a big deal. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. I think it's going to be hard for him to get fights. So when you say what's next, I think we're not going to see him for a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. Um, one fight that has been floated that I think is interesting would be uh, Subriel Matias. I don't like that fight for him, for either of them right now, because I think that that's a, that's a style matchup that's going to take years off of you. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a war. Um, so I don't, I don't think that that's a good, like, next step. Um. Plus, he's got the IBF. I don't know. It's a lot going on at 140. Did you want to talk about the main event for a little bit, just so we don't get too bogged down in this? Yeah, man. I'm really disappointed with Chris Colbert, man. Like, he got his ass beat. Like, beat. <laughs> but I have to rewatch this. That I didn't, I didn't like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was not close. Like, and, you know, I've been following Chris Colbert for a long time. He had a, um, I believe it was either on Showtime or Netflix. He had a documentary about him. Oh, interesting. Um, it was a documentary about, actually, I think he had two, but this one I'm talking about, he was part of this thing where it had three fighters. It had Peter Quillen, who was a world champion right, at the time. Um, this guy named Cam F. Awesome, who was a, 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 he's a career amateur, basically. Okay. With the U.S. And he had always tried, he had, his goal was to make the Olympics and win a gold medal. Never did. Um and then Chris Colbert was like a, just like a regular amateur, but he was like on that cusp of like, I could go pro or go pursue the Olympics. And, you know, even back then you could kind of tell that he was boxing for like financial reasons. Obviously very, very talented fighter. Yeah. But he's trying but to make it out. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that his heart is in boxing. I think his heart is in making money. And you can kind of tell by how he's moved. He's been moved very fast, but also very, in his mind, in his sense, very strategically. He's positioning himself for these big money fights. And, you know, he's got a lot of off the, out of the ring, like investments and stuff. Like, I don't think he plans on boxing very long. I don't blame and, him. Yeah, I don't blame him either. Yeah. But I think that showed last night where it was like you can see the talent, you can see the ability, but you don't really see the desire. Like he got knocked down bad in like the sixth or seventh round. And basically he was just like, and I hate saying this because I hate when people say this, but he was running the rest of the fight basically. Yeah. Once he realized that he couldn't win, he just was like, all right, fuck it. I'm about to just survive. And that's not a good mentality you want to have, especially that young and that, like, like he was supposed to fight for a world title yesterday, but his, his opponent had COVID. Like, that's just not a good look, especially he likes to talk. He talks a huge game about how other guys are soft and, like, don't have that dog. And it's like, you really just showed that. Yikes. Like, that's about you. Yikes. And, you know, you can't. Like, this isn't the sport where you can talk a big game and you can't back it up. Like, 
you're going to lose out on, like, obviously public opinion, but also you're going to lose out on opportunities. Right. People are not going to want to fight you. People not going. And people fight. are not going to want to put you on fights. Exactly. Like there's people who are like, nah, fuck that dude. Pretty much. Like it, it's it, you either show up or you don't, and that's the way boxing will always. Yeah, be. you're gonna be like that. You have to. You have to win, and you have to look good. That's always been. It's it's a it's not a completely meritocracy sport because you know meritocracies don't actually exist, but in as close as it can be, it is. You know, so like to that to that end, I agree. If Chris Colbert's just running around the ring. After talking all that shit, what are you gonna do? Yeah, especially you know, honestly, especially if you are an African American fighter, like you have your it's like you do have to work yeah, you gotta work hard doubly as hard. Yeah. You have to work harder and you have your performances have to be better. And you have to be like if you're gonna have a big mouth, you have to be able to back it up. Like unfortunately, you have to. Yeah, yeah, like you can't you can't just talk shit. Cause like you see how they do people, like as soon as as soon as you fall off, they are not gonna fuck with you no more. So you know, exactly it is what it is. So yeah, I feel bad for him because I don't know. I don't know what's next. Like, yeah, um, if it probably get a bounce back fight and go from there. Yeah, because like you know you I've said, talked. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. Because you know I've talked about on this podcast. I was like, you know, I thought he could fuck with Tank. He can't fuck with Tank after what I saw last night. No, Tank no, will no. kill him. Yeah, I don't know. Mm, that would be bad. So uh, let's move to the MMA side of things real quick for last night. Islam Makachev does what Islam Makachev does. Shouts to Bobby Green for doing his best. You know what I'm saying? Bobby Green's a great dude. He's a tough-ass dude. Took this fight on two weeks' notice. Nobody else wanted this fight. So much respect to Bobby Green. But Islam Makachev is who Islam Makachev is, and there's not much else to say. Yeah, I don't uh, – you know, someone – a friend of mine DM'd me um, because I had said – he had asked me about uh, how MVP would do against Amosov. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. He has nothing for Amazon. <laughs> there's nothing yet." So he DM me again, and he was like, "Yo, how do you I, how do you feel about Islam versus Bobby Green? Like, I know how you felt about M- M- MVP, but I want to have hope." I was like, "Look, I love Bobby Green. He's probably one of my favorite <laughs> MMA fighters. He's a great dude. There was he, there was abs- He had zero chance. It was it was just not going to happen. Like Bobby Green's a great dude. I'm so happy he probably got paid well for this because he took it on two weeks' notice." And, you know, his name's going to be a little out there now and et cetera, et cetera. And he had a great performance recently against Homeboy. I forgot his name. Iziev. Yeah, Iziev. And, like, you know, he's done he's done really well for himself. He was, like, a, apparently he was, like, an orphan. Like, his story is incredibly amazing. You know what I'm saying? And he's just, like, a fuck it, can do it attitude dude. Man. I don't know, man. People got to be scared of Islam. Like... <laughs> Respect of that man's name. No, no, no pun intended. <laughs> For real, but like they just put some respect on that man's name. Like other, you know, that, it's interesting that when he was talking about, I think like last week or a week or two weeks ago, he was talking about fighting Charles, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Yeah, I'll take him down and win." That's a good fight. I mean, for for a grappling heavy fight, that's, that's gonna be a really fight. good fight because like that's fight. I think, like, obviously, Islam is Islam, and he has Khabib in his corner. Charles is different, though. But I'm like, I, I will say this forever. I don't care who it is. At, at anywhere around that weight class, Charles like 45 to 70, Charles is different. the last place you want to be for any fighter is inside Charles Oliveira's guard. Charles like, that man, is a wiz- that man is a wizard in 
BJJ in general, like general BJJ, but MMA BJJ, he is a wizard. I don't know if Islam, I don't think Islam can beat Charles right now, but I think there's no real, like, what do you, I guess you could get him to fight Dustin, or you could get him to No, he has to, get a, he has to get a title shot. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no other fight he, he was supposed him. to fight. He's supposed to fight Benil Darius. Benil Darius, yeah, but Benil got injured. Like, and Benil is a dark horse, too, but, like, at the same time, like, if Benil going to be injured, there's really nobody for him to fight. Because, like, Dustin probably waiting for something else, and then Justin Gaethje's about to fight Charles Oliveira, so... Well, yeah, I guess if Justin's about to fight Charles, I guess you can give him Benio if he's if he's if he gets better. better. But like, I don't know if he'll take that but, fight at this point. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, like I could see Islam winning against Charles Oliveira. Shit, I could see Justin Gaethje winning against Charles Oliveira if you keep it on the ground on the, on the feet. My feet, yeah. But if that hits the ground, there's just so for both guys, there's so many variables that it's like it's impossible. It's impossible to make a pick in that. If, if, it hits, it, if it hits the, hits ground. the ground, if, it if it's standing, ground. I think Charles got his number. I think so. But if it hits the ground, I want to say I think Charles ha- Charles will win, but it's just so it's so complicated. I think it's so it, much. I think it depends on the positions that they end up in. Like if they end up in half guard, I think Islam can win. If they end up in full guard, I don't think Islam can win. It really depends on like how that fight shakes out. Like how is the takedown? Is it a double leg? Is it a trip? And like that's like a very like technical geeky stuff so i'm not gonna get too much into it but long story short like the position that they end up in on the ground is the position they're going to stay in right and so it's not that charles can't sweep or islam can't finish it's more so like these are very very good grapplers so if they're in guard if like islam ends up in full guard he's not getting out of that he might get triangled he might get swept he might get he might even get heel hooked if he if, if he dies under right but if they end up in half guard well, the thing about like Khabib style and like we'll just we'll just put it all in their Khabib style is that they thrive when they're in the half guard. They will sit in your half guard and just beat you up right with ground and pound. So it really depends on where they end up. And then, of course, like if Islam ends up in mount, there ain't no choice. There's no there's no hope for Charles then. But like you said, full guard or even like there's other kinds of guards, like an open guard or, or like a like a De La Hiva hook or something, even though that's uncommon in MMA, Charles is going to win. He's gonna win. Charles is Charles is still dangerous from half guard too. He is dangerous from half guard. I just I just I just think that like specifically Khabib's style is catered towards putting people in half guard. So oftentimes like and there's like a big tape study on this. And I, again, I'm equating Khabib to Islam, which is not necessarily true, right? There's no there's nothing to indicate that he's necessarily like the same person. But like let's just assume, right? Khabib's style is actually predicated on not getting to uh, side control and is actually predicated on staying in half guard like he likes that the the connection right so he he like um there's there's a concept in jiu-jitsu of like being connected to your opponent or being loose from your opponent people like me who are shorter and smaller like we like being connected to our opponent because we're not fast and we're not big we want to be connected and stick 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 to our opponent as much as possible khabib style is very similar to that he's going to stay on you keep the pressure on you Charles's jujitsu is good from everywhere, but I'm assuming if Islam gets to half guard, he is going to also favor Khabib's style. But like you said, there's a bunch of other guards, and he's also very good from half guard, so we don't know. It's all depending and, on how the takedown goes down. And one that's a, that's the other thing we haven't even talked about getting the takedown. Yeah, shit. That's gonna be difficult enough. Because Charles <laughs> has very has very phenomenal takedown defense, and he also likes to attack off of missed takedowns. And like so, you said, like, he could just pull guard. It's like, yo, if you're going to try to double me, great. I will pull guard. And all of a sudden, he's one of the only people that can do that in MMA right now, where he can just pull it. And he's like, cool, come double me. I'll pull guard. And then all of a sudden, you're in trouble. 
Yeah, now now you're in my now you're in, yeah, my, in world, my world, and yeah. I'm better I, and I'm better than you in my world. Exactly, exactly. So, so like, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's scary, but it's like, I, people hate grappling in MMA. I don't know why. I mean, I know why, because there you is know, some there is some negative grappling in MMA. They also don't like understand this, it. Yeah, this is fine. like, I don't know. This is, gets me excited. Like imagining the outcomes of like grappling exchanges between Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev, mainly because we didn't get to see Habib. Yeah, and Charles Charles Oliveira, it's crazy. Other than that, on this card, it was pretty cool. Uh, Armin Sarukian won, and there's really not too many other people to actually. There were two Armins on the card; they both won. There's not too much to really talk about. Um, let's talk about the boxing from last week, right? Let's work our way backwards. So the boxing from last week, uh, what did that include? There's a lot of stuff. There was. We talked. Did we talk about Bam? We didn't talk about Bam. Okay, that was two weeks ago. Uh, last week was Khan and Brooke. I don't really feel like talking about that, but if fair you enough. Want to, I will. I mean, I, we don't have to talk about. It. People were like praising Amir Khan, but like I'm not sure why. I don't know. It was like one of those. <laughs> it was actually a very. I'll, I'll say this. It was actually very entertaining because like they were both washed. Yeah, they were both washed. Seriously. But like they were, they were washed and willing to fight each other. So like it was like. Is one of them gonna get knocked out? But I mean, Kelbrook beat his ass. But that's yeah. what I'm so saying. That's, like, that's it. That's all you need to know. Kelbrook beat his, beat his ass. ass. Yeah. But you want to talk about Bam? Yeah. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think about whether we talked about him or not. I don't think. No, we did. We did. We did. Oh, we did. Okay, we ain't got to talk about it. Yeah. Refer to our previous episode. So, well, let's talk about Izzy then, because we didn't talk about Izzy and Rob. Right. Okay. So. Was the last weekend uh, one of like the most important middleweight fights happened, and it was a great fight. Like in my opinion, it was a great fight. I actually watched the breakdown of this fight a couple times. I really enjoyed this fight. I think Israel Adesanya won three rounds to two. I know there's some consternation about that, but I don't see how you can give Robert Whitaker three rounds. But I will say Robert Whitaker did much better than he did in the first fight, and it was much closer than most people saw. I think. People are getting um, tired of Izzy, which is weird. Like, I didn't think that was going to be possible. Uh, but it was it was a great fight. Like, Izzy, I really think, won with head kicks. Because every time Izzy kicked Rob in the head, like, it was a visibly impacted damage, right? And there were other fights, like the leg kicks and, you know, things like that. Rob had a great jab. Rob's jab was going off. Like, he did a great job, like, reaching Izzy with that jab. But it ultimately just wasn't enough, right? The takedowns weren't enough. He couldn't keep them down. Like, yeah, he might have taken that fifth round. Like, you might give it to him. That might be the second round you give him a, a three to two. But other than that, like, that first round was all Izzy. Um, that second round was questionable. Like, there's there was just too much Israel Adesanya controlling the distance, winning on the striking exchanges. And every time that Rob got an advantage, like, every time that he, like, did something that would give him an advantage, he was not able to capitalize on him. So even when he stunned Izzy, even when he hit Izzy hard, he couldn't press it. And if you can't press it against Israel Adesanya, if you let him relax, or even if you just let him pop up from the takedown, you're just going to keep getting countered to hell. And that was the story of this fight. Yeah, I agree with most of those things. It was a, to me, it was a very competitive 4-1. Yeah, that makes sense. 4-1 is fine. Um, I think... Izzy is reaching his Anderson Silva era. And this is, the you know, obviously like around like maybe like 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. maybe like 2000 to like 2000. So whenever he fought uh, Chael Sonnen, 
Yeah. There was that period where he was just so much better than everyone else that people got bored because he wasn't like knocking guys out. Like he started off knocking guys out, but then after a while he was just like, I don't have to do this. Like exactly. you don't, you can't beat me and I don't have to put myself in dangerous situations just to get the knockout. So I'm just going to point fight you to death. I don't care about that because I think people are obsessed with wanting to see fights and forgetting that this is a sport. This is a competition. Right. <laughs> so whatever you can do that your opponent can't stop, That's that puts true. you in the least, puts you in the best position to win with taking the least amount of risk and damage. I think you, you have to take that route, you know, like, yeah, like, to be honest, the same thing was happening with Habib, except for he was beating the shit out of people. But he was putting himself in the best position to win fights without taking that much damage. It's the same thing. He just didn't do it striking. He was doing it grappling. So, And the thing is, like, is he... I think he got to move up. Like, because, like, there's nothing left for him here. Like, who... who Jerry Cannon is not about to be Izzy. He's not about to be Izzy, but I think it'll be an exciting fight and that people want to see. It'll be exciting. Because Cannonier is going to push the pressure. In a, yeah. In like a, no offense, but in a less educated way. Like Rob had a very educated way of yeah, putting pressure. Yeah, I less, less technical. Let's go with less yeah. technical. Yeah, less technical. <laughs> um, which will put him in bad positions to get countered by Izzy, but also it'll make Izzy work. It'll make Izzy work. Yeah, there'll be a high work rate in the fight. Izzy's not going to be able to stand back and relax. You know what I'm saying? Because Cannonier is not about to be scared. But, like, also, the reason I say Izzy should go up is because I think legitimately if Izzy worked his way up to 205 as opposed to just taking that shit on a whim, he could be very dangerous at that weight class. You feel me? Like, I know it didn't look good against um, Jan, but I just don't think he was ready. I think at this point he's going to be ready. But that's just my, like, bias probably. Yeah, I mean, he was – I think – no, he was kickboxing at middleweight, but he was boxing at cruiserweight. He boxed at cruiserweight. He's kickboxed at a middleweight before. He's, he's he's done a couple matches there. But, like, the thing is, like, you're right. It's different. The thing is – so, Cannonier, right? So, let's go to the rest of this car because this car was stacked. Um, Cannonier versus Derek Brunson, the end of Blonde Thank Brunson. God. Thank the, God. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God, I don't hate I, – I don't hate Derek Brunson. He has a very effective style. But I did not want to see him get a title shot and have it be like a grapple fest against it. I, I just did not. It would. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have worked. Number one. Number two. I mean, I have a special spot in my heart for Brunson because he watches my photography account occasionally. So shall I see you, bro. I don't know why you do, but shall I see you. But damn, it did not. It just didn't go well for him. You know, it wasn't his night. Jerry came in there, aligned his chakras, and had his crystals ready. Yeah, the Ricky he, was. He he put him through the fucking canvas, bro. I was like, wow. That was that was something. That man powered up, yo. He he took his Reiki crystals and powered up and like was like, yo, I got this. I do think Kennedy, like you said, is going to be an interesting fight. I think he did a great job, and we saw a lot of cool shit in that fight. Um, other than that, on this fight, obviously, like Derek Lewis losing to Ty Tuivasa is is nuts. Um, it was nuts that Ty took some of Derek's best shots, to be honest. Like I did not expect that to happen against the cage, and he took a couple good shots. That was a that was a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what Ty Tuivasa does. I'm not saying that he's gonna be champion one day, 
he might just end up being Derek Lewis because like that Derek Lewis is a wonderful career thus far. I'm not saying that Derek Lewis is going to retire, but like they could just be two sides of the same coin for a long time. Yeah, um, I think that was a situation where you saw two guys with the same approach to fighting, but one with the solid, more solid technical background. Yeah, not like, for real. Like Derek Lewis is like a, a boxer brawler. And that's like his approach. But Tai Tuvasa is a brawler too, but he has like a strong Muay Thai approach to his brawling. So I obviously no one could really call what was going to happen, but in hindsight, you can kind of see that that was going to, that that might have been the more likely situation. But his chin is made of fucking titanium, bro. Like I don't, I don't understand. I think he'll get Curtis Blaze next. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a great thing to do. Yeah, Curtis Blades. That makes a lot of sense. You know, the rest of this card was cool. Like, UFC always has a good pay-per-view. Um, yeah, Bobby Green. Bobby won Green won. Yeah, Haskot. Yeah. Andre Orlovsky, who's like 50 years old, is like still winning in the UFC. So that's nuts. Um, special shout-out to Roxanne Matafari on her last fight. She lost in a split decision. But, like, it's a hell of a way to go out. And, like, she's had a great career as a science teacher. So, like, shout-outs to her. Like, we always rooting for her because, like, that's not usual for science teachers to be just be doing that shit. Um, other than that, there's not really much. I just want to quickly mention that Johnny Walker did lose to Jamal Hill in kind of crazy-ass fashion last weekend. Uh, so that was... Yeah, it was... <laughs> that was weird. It was a weird knockout because, obviously, a temple shot will put you out like that. Mm-hmm. But it didn't look... I'm not saying obviously crazy. Yeah. I'm not on the MMA conspiracy side where I'm like, oh, it was a dive. But it didn't look like it was that strong of a shot. It looked really grazing. My coach said this. He's like, Johnny Walker died because he didn't retract his jab. And he's like, he was still extended. And so his temple, like he was his head was loose when he got hit. Who knows how much of that is true or not true? But, like, that's the only reasonable explanation I've heard. Like, he just wasn't ready for the punch, you know? He just didn't, like, he wasn't ready for, for the punch that was coming. And it's always the punch that you don't see coming that messes you up. Right. So, like, a lot of times you don't see guys fall out like that from mm-hmm. Temple Shots. The last time I can remember that was probably Wilder and Ortiz. But that was a way more cleaner yeah, shot than was, that. Damn, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I'm not trying to take away from Jamal Hill or anything. I was just yeah. like, that was just one of those, like, it was like the Rosario, like um, Charlo knocking out Rosario with the body jab kind of situation. And like how he, it was like one of those, like, you might not see something like that again. Like a crazy exactly. temple shot puts you to sleep like that. Did you have any more boxing you want to cover? Because there's actually like more MMA to cover from other organizations. Um, before we get to that. Not that I can think of. Um, there's some upcoming stuff. Let's give a um, quick shout out to all the Ukrainian fighters, though, because like a lot of them are going back and especially shout out to the Klitschko's. They may not be the most entertaining boxers for most people, but like they're really putting on for their country. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, well let's let, let's put some respect on Vitaly. Vitaly is, was a very entertaining fighter. I know, but some uh, the, the common knock against the Klitschko, you know what I'm saying? Like people be talking shit about it's, them. It's mostly Vlad. Yeah. It's like 90% <laughs> Vlad. Yeah, Vitaly was entertaining. But they really, they like, they out there like fucking guns blazing, like they're in the yeah, middle well, of the Ukraine. 
Yeah, well, Vitaly is the mayor of Kiev. Kiev, which is so, nuts, right? Like, yeah. it's absolutely nuts. So, like, they they really out there. So, shout-outs to them for, like, taking it to the next level and doing what they have to do. I'm not here to get too political about shit, but that's still commendable, like, what they're yeah. doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, you, you know, we touched on Postal going back immediately. So, yeah. the reason why I was, I was like, that's really, really insane is because there's a nationwide mandate on males 18 to 60 have to enlist so he's going back to go to, to go to war, fight essentially yeah to yeah. go to fight yeah like they, they they all go in a fight and like you know ukrainians in general have a pretty like storied boxing history they have a pretty like storied fighting history so i just want to give that country props as it try as it does its best to like continue its existence right um yeah and then i guess in, in other like in other like mma news um there was a one championship event which had some great kickboxing on it, uh, in, in which Ong lost his uh third fight, his rubber match to Vitaly Big Dash. Uh, I was talking to him about it, just you know, things happen, things are things are getting there. Uh, Bellator had a number of events, I believe. Yeah, like, Gegard Masasi put it. Austin Vanderford to sleep. sleep. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, that was kind of nuts. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was Friday, I believe. And like, I did not expect that. I mean, I expected Masasi to win, but not like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I really, really wish that cross promotion existed because I would love to see Izzy and Gegard fight. Yeah. That would be really cool. Right. Like, I, I think, think he has, he has the striking acumen with that Dutch kickboxing style to make it fun on the feet. Exactly. And, like, you know, if he can get it to the ground, he has really good ground game, too. Yeah. I think Izzy ultimately wins that fight, obviously. But at the same time, like, I think it would be so much more competitive than people give it credit for. Right? So, like, for sure. For sure. Um, other than that, like, yeah, I said the one championship events and Bellator events. MMA has been busy. Boxing has been busy. You want to talk about stuff that's coming up? Because you said there was a lot of boxing coming up. There yeah, is a so lot of next week up. is the um, – the, well, today, actually. Well, well let's not, not talk about today because – probably not gonna be on yeah by the time we get the episode just mention just mention today just mention what's happening okay so uh lawrence acoli is the is defending his wbo um cruiserweight title against i think michael selsiak i I might be butchering his name but that Mm -hmm. should be an interesting fight the most interesting thing on this card though is um gamaya fall who's like um the youngest brother there's like two uh yafal brothers that are pros he's a gold medalist i believe at flyweight this year or last year um he's making his debut and he's fighting a guy that's 18 and 5 and it's a 10 round fight in his debut so i think they're move they're going to move him fast and i think he's he's the goods like i saw him in the olympics like he he can fight and he has like a pro he has a style that will translate well to the pros pros gotcha so that's exciting. And then obviously next week we have the return of the legend, Chocolatito. Um, he's fighting. Um, he was supposed to fight um, Juan Francisco Estrada, but he yes. had COVID. Yes. So now he's fighting Julio Cesar Martinez, who's moving up a weight class to fight him. That's going to be fun. That's a I'm, fun fight. I'm marking that on my calendar. Like I can't be, no, I want to watch that fight because it's going to be action. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to go at it. Yeah, that's a fun, fun fight. And then um, 
Jose Ramirez is fighting Jose Pedraza on Friday. And then on, I believe Saturday is also uh, Masvidal and Covington. Yeah, I was going to say on the MMA side, it's, it's the battle of the, the, the two loudest 170ers. Yeah. Um, who can't be talk Usman. about that's the fakest fight of all time them, <laughs> them guys are not beefing with each other I they, don't care what anybody says. Dog, they love each other like they they just yeah, this is this is like what happens when two dudes miss each other but don't want to say they miss each other <laughs> like they just like make up shit like they just start talking shit to each other you know say so that's that's exactly what this is these motherfuckers yeah, just miss each other like that's all <laughs> yeah bro. Every, everything everything is wrestling everything's wrestling and you know what it's not hamzat so it doesn't matter because neither one of them can beat usman Facts. Yeah. <laughs> Neither one of them can be Usman, so it's, it doesn't really matter what happens in this fight. Um, yeah. Isn't there a Tyson Fury? Isn't he fighting Dylan White or something? Allegedly. I don't know. Man. Okay. Well, then we ain't got to talk about it if it's allegedly. It has been I... ordered. I believe the fight is on the schedule. But they were supposed to have a press conference for it on Thursday. Either this, th- this past Thursday or the Thursday before last. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't happened yet. So... I have no idea what's gonna go, what's going on with Tyson Fury. No one knows what's going on with Tyson Fury. I don't even think Tyson Fury knows what's going on with Tyson Fury. <laughs> it's not that so, important. I just want to see if Usyk and him ever fight or not. Um, yeah. Shout out to Usyk. Then, he might be I think fan. the week after next, there's like a big uh, prospect card with Top mm-hmm. Ring. Um, I think it's led by Edgar Belanga. He's fighting Steve Rolls, but then Keyshawn Davis is in the co-main event. At what point Zondi is Edgar Sanders. Belanga not a prospect anymore? He's definitely a prospect, bro. Okay. I, okay, fair enough. I just I feel like, I think I, like he, he fights I think a lot. <laughs> he fights a lot. But look, there's prospects that there's a Brandon Lee at uh at 140. He but has yeah. like damn near 30 fights and he was a prospect. That's shit. True. Uh when when Mungia made his run into like being like a titleist, he had like 35 fights. So okay, I think it all depends enough. on your development. I think he has a lot of growth to do. Mm-hmm. Um he is moving up in competition. Yeah, that's why I was asking because so, it's like it's not like he's fighting prospect level people anymore. Yeah, he's not getting he's not fighting guys that he's starting in one round like he used to. Like he's like exactly the Demon Nicholson. Um, I forgot the name of the guy he fought that he got knocked down against, and then Steve Rolls. It's a very clear trajectory that they're like, we need to see if you're the goods or not. Right, I feel you. Like dead ass. So and then Xander Zayas is rounding out that three fight card. Yeah. So there's a lot of good boxing coming up. There's a fair amount of good MMA coming up. Um, we're very excited. Like, we're going to do our best to, like, try to get back to recording regularly. But, like, you know, people are everywhere. Um, I was on vacation. They about to go on vacation. So we appreciate people who are, like, messaging us and, like, being like, yo, where's the pot at? Because, like, you know, that's always a good reminder. Uh, did you have anything else? Or I think we're pretty much there. No, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. And... Always tell us what we forgot. Yeah.